0: my younger years, my dad would bring us sometimes fishing trout with him. He always loved to fish trout. And we sold the trouting licenses at our general store. But also, local people would come in and they'd be always discussing about the, the streams or the ponds, and this one is in bad shape, that one, the beaver dams are, you know. And it was, our store was sort of a gathering spot. It was E.C. Perry's general store. And my brother then bought it later and called it Eugene's general store. But I can remember those exchanges. You see, so I grew up in that, that environment. People come in, now Eugene, I just saw this in Shays Pond. The beavers are really doing a mess there. And so, see, he was with the Fish and Game Association. Uh-huh. And we sold the licenses for the, for the trout fishing at the store so there was all that connection so he'd bring us on that and if he saw anything in the stream he'd clean it up so you see that whole mindset was there then he'd bring us to the run and, and we'd go on it, on it was always on Sunday The fishermen's boats were there and they knew that Eugene could go in any boat and he could fish his smelts there and, that, and mm-hmm. we'd go with him and half the time we were swimming and diving off yeah. the boats you know and scaring the smelts away but uh, no. So you see, I was brought up in that kind of uh, yeah. environment. Or if he saw that there was a stream, somebody came and told him the stream needed work done. He would get in touch with the, the wildlife, the fishing game. I guess it's what they called it at that time. And then, and then I remember the beaches. Now we would take uh, swimming lessons, yeah. but there was a conservation course that was tied in with maybe yeah. the survival. I'm not sure. It was, it was, was, called,
1: it was yeah. called conservation, and later Junior Outdoors Club.
0: Okay, okay. So, and and that was probably the first formal uh, instruction that I would have had, you see, back in those years. So you're looking at the 60s. I can still recall that because we were taught, like, not to dump our waste there. We were, you know, my parents... uh, taught us responsible uh, citizenship and care of, mm. of, of the community because, I mean, we had to clean up around the store where people threw their garbage around our general store mm. outside while we yeah. had to clean it up. Right. Mom didn't have time to clean it up and neither did Dad, so we were the ones that had to clean it up, you know, mm. the garbage. So there was that, that um, environmental consciousness, I guess you might want to say. That was instilled in us. And then the sisters would take us in the woods then for our annual picnic in the spring. Well, there again we'd learn about, you know, about the the woods and that and saving and, you know, the least little bit, the little bit that we could in a rural area because we weren't exposed to, we couldn't go to museums, we couldn't go to conservatories, we couldn't go to, you know... It was the pure nature and then we practically lived at the beach in the summertime because mom was scared we'd get run over by a vehicle, you know, in the middle we were right on the, on the main street and so my sister would drop us off at the at the beach and we had to make sure all our garbage came home with us in our bag, in our in our beach bag and uh, that type of thing, yeah. Because mm-hmm. we, we landed home sometimes with some pretty deep cuts in our feet because of beach parties, you see. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people irresponsibly would leave empty beer bottles. It was all bottles at that time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'd go to the edge of the water and, and, and break them there. Well, how many of us had, had cuts on our feet? One, my sister, well, my youngest sister, was a really bad cut she got. We had to take of her stitches and everything, you know. Mm-hmm. So there were those types of things or, I mean, if driftwood came in and that was one thing, uh, but if there was uh, like a, a, a buoy, we'd just stack it up the corner because there was always people cleaning up the beaches.
2: I wanted to, to, to ask you, um, what motivated you initially to become an uh, honorary patron with Island Nature Trust?
0: Well, again, it's the interest, I think, to talking with June kind of cemented the whole thing um, because throughout my life, like, um, we, we had, uh, let me see, environmental consciousness I guess mm-hmm. it, it was it was taught to us through our teachers but also our parents because we had to practice uh, uh, how should I say healthy like you didn't go and cut a tree down for no reason mm-hmm. if you had to, you know, and then we played in the woods. We, we had a respect for nature. We played in the woods. We played cops and robbers and all those types of things, and and um, we never, I don't ever recall us defacing anything because we used to be so disappointed going to the beach and we see somebody had broken something or they had, you know, uh, wrecked it in some way, like, or left their beach their beach party. That used to be the most disappointing thing. Somebody had a beach party and they leave all their garbage and all their, you know, their mess there and because we love the beach. We spent so much time at the beach. That was my my love was the beach, you know. But that uh,
1: speaks a bit to community within community, doesn't it? So you were living in the same geographical area, a small piece of the world, and yet in that bit um, you'd be modeling for yes. those people that were behaving a different way, making different choices around their mm-hmm. regard for the engo- environment. But it's quite interesting, isn't it, how it took a community in which you lived, where you were educated formally, but also raised with that modeling from your immediate family.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. definitely from the immediate family. Yeah. And, and see, accompanying my father to go fishing go picking the blueberries, mm-hmm. to go, uh, and we never left any garbage on the land. Like, he would ask, you know, this guy, can we pick blueberries on your land? And we never left any mess. Mm-hmm. That was unheard of, mm-hmm. unheard of. And, uh, yeah, I guess it's the old way of doing things, yeah. You, you can help yourself for what you need, but don't leave a mess, yeah. Mm-hmm. and And I think it's because part of it is we had the general store, and... I can still see my dad going around picking up the garbage or we're helping him pick up the garbage around the store. People just, you know, just uh, carelessly leaving their garbage everywhere. So it was a consciousness that was there because it hurt us and so we didn't go and do it to somebody else.
2: But also what's interesting is we're only talking about a few short decades but yes, the way that society has changed as well in the sense that a lot of young people... Who uh, you know? I mean, you were you were lucky for having those mentors that to mm-hmm. show you the direct result of preserving or being mindful of your environment. Yes. Whereas today's young people, are, there's a more of a predominance to sort of the inherent experiences through a sort of virtual terrain. So their relationship with with uh, with the outdoors is somewhat maybe I mean you could argue is yeah. somewhat stunted. Yes. I mean, what effect does that have on? Mm-hmm. conservation as we move forward and educating of young people. Um, yeah. In in that process.
0: And you know the bottom line again my motto is learn connect pass it on that that's my motto. and and which I said in my installation speech and everything that's that's the way I do things, and I firmly believe that education is the key. Education is the thing, look when we brought in recycling. We had to teach that to our students at school and they went home and taught their parents. That's how it worked. That's the progression.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Because they would trip us up every chance they could get if you put something in the wrong bucket, you know?
2: But I, I think, but uh, also the panel has mm. reminded us that education through just purely virtual means, because everything's moved to these sort of Zoom yes, productions. Yes. Yes. Um, which is that? I, I was listening to an interesting article on CBC the other day, and saying, and, and there was a lot of anecdotes from the actual students saying yes. how difficult it was to to really retain that yeah. information and whatever knowledge was being imparted. So. I mean, I guess that would segue on to the, the the point of um, how important it is for children or youth to interact with um, uh, with hands-on and experiential learning. And uh, is it, that something that maybe the experiential
0: learning? And and I had that with my with my father, you know, mm-hmm. and, and my mother less, but my father with dealing with 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 nature, and um, and the sisters like they would take us outside and they would inform us and. And it boils down to respect, you see, if you were taught to respect, like when I was vice principal I had a, you know, the character education, and the big thing was respect. And from that is you can learn to respect. So that's each other, nature, whatever, you know, because the disrespect is when then there's discord and there's undoing of things. But the respect is the big one and that was my mother. I can still hear her session.
1: That yeah. piece, what you're referring to, I think, to it's passive learning too, right? Where you would have been witness to, without ever having had to be told certain things, you were passively uh, acquiring a way mm-hmm. of going forward that was respectful to mm-hmm. uh, humans and and to uh,
0: nature. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and see, I was very engaged in the community, like like my mother. They yeah. they tell me I'm so much like my mother. Uh, and and most of the the children in our family, but with me, I can still see like the leadership roles in that. I, she was my mentor. She was my number one mentor. Like I even think of the fire, the fire in North Cape when somebody had their still, and it caught fire and it burnt all the the, the end of North Cape. Well, she she was the emergency measures she was one of the centers for the emergency measures because she had taken training in that and the guy who was in charge herb levitt so he came to the store and so people would bring the food to us and i would go and drive to the the firemen at north cape to give them their food so we were always engaged you see we had the general store i was brought up with that so you're part of the life of the community so whatever the community is feeling, you feel and it's still like that today each time I go back to the community I, th- I feel that sense of belonging but there's the ownership with that belonging you see that, that I have to share the ownership of taking care of it you know if you educate the people uh, what what do you want them to do? Do you want them to go and clean the beach? Do you want to go and clean the side of road side of the road? What do you want them to do but inform them and educate them? They'll do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. When we were searching for those fishermen, the, the rescue uh, people, they met with the fishermen and they got the information out there. Well, the next day, the fishermen were coming back with wool socks. Mm-hmm. What are do you doing with the wool socks? Your feet are going to get cold, they're going to get wet. You're going to need some wool socks. To put in your rubber boots, you know? And and, and treats from home, a homemade bread or whatever it might be, or or here. You might need an extra an extra sweater. And like that generosity, but that's the whole island. That's the whole it island. Yes, is, and
1: that's what I'm thinking though, is connecting that small community, which yeah. you you have a feeling for, you know what that is mm. in every cell of your body yes. what that yes. is. Yes. <clears throat> and that's what I feel when I became more involved with Island Nature Trust is there's a community that is Island Nature Trust. Yeah. And the people that, not always, but most of the people that I meet through the Trust are have that, and it's a different type of community than what we're referring to here. Yeah. But it's the same thing, it's that connectedness, shared values, and a willingness to think for the future. One of my sons is a kayaker. And uh, he um, it, it was circumnavigating the province a few years ago. It was, it was a really cold spring, and it, it, it wasn't the way it should have been, and they were out there. So we, we headed towards Tignish with gear for them, my husband and I. And, uh, but here's the reason I bring it up. We followed them around the tip up there and came around, but the fishermen were out on the water at the same time, and they were in this big pink touring boat, right? And the fishermen were radioing ahead, to say, listen, there's two really nice young men in the in boat coming around here, make sure you watch out for them. And they were wiring ahead to say, make sure they know where the currents are today, watch for that wave, and doing it all up there, right? Yeah. And, you know, I will never forget that. Every time I drive around that area, I, I can the, picture They've the got running. each
0: other's back. Well, yeah. even, even like the search for those two fishermen... You know, and and they were all worried. And the manager of the um, of the fisheries, uh, Francis Morrissey, his brother's Bobby Morrissey, the MP. Yes. And Francis is always looking out for them. Well, the Filipinos, I mean, they're all these children now, you know, <laughs> because he just looks out for everybody. Yeah. And he was concerned about that boat not in. He said, "There's only one boat not in, and and the winds are really picking up." Mm. He said, "Can somebody see them at all? Can somebody?" And the radios were just going, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. And then. Then when they realized that they had hit the yeah. reef, you know, but um, so and so, if you want the message to get, out, to get out there, I really think the education is the key. It's the same as COVID. If we look at COVID, Dr. Morrison has informed us well the whole step of the way. So, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. it, it, it
2: it galvanizes the community. It's yeah. the community and message. That exactly.
0: To so start. the people respecting others by wearing, by wearing masks, right. you see what I'm saying? Same as people respecting our nature home and not destroying that nest. If they see that nest, that you don't destroy it. You, know? you leave it there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If somebody is ignorant to the fact that if you destroy a bird's nest, there's no more birds, right? If somebody is, is, is ignorant to that fact, well, inform them, educate them. Yeah, to me that's that's one of the best solutions. It's been the way I've I've worked. It. My mother too. Yeah, you know. I mean, I just followed her her footsteps in the same way. Yeah,
2: I'm going to okay, I'm going to move sure. on to the next sure. question because it, it does tie in as well mm-hmm. some what, what we've been talking about. Um, but uh, acquiring and restoring ecologically sensitive areas um, is fundamental to the trust's mission. Um, and a desire to restore what was once lost or damaged is a motivation that many people share, and just yes. on an individual le- level mm-hmm. but also in a community sort of remit as well. Um, it can be incredibly rewarding and cathartic. Um, tell me about the, uh, the 2011 parish church organ restoration um, project that you spearheaded and what that meant to you personally, but also the people that were involved.
0: Okay, so uh, we knew that it was in, in serious disrepair because I've been a church organist for, since I was probably four, I was nine years old the first time I played, but uh, since I was 15, maybe 16 years old. So I was part of the music ministry, mm-hmm. and but that organ was always my pride and joy. I love to hear Henry playing it and all that, but he's passed away in 2000. So I assumed responsibility for it. another organist in the, in the village. She's my age, and we kind of we worked together in that. But I kind of led the the charge on it. And I say, well, I'm not playing this organ anymore with this malfunction. We got to do something. So that was in 2007. And now the legacy, too, is that my mother played, my grandmother played, my aunt played, and on my dad's side, my grandmother played. And oh, wow. you see, so it's part of the heritage, eh? And uh, so in 2007, I approached the pastor and I said, We've got to do something. Somehow we've got to. So I was going in a blind area. I know nothing about the construction of that organ, and really I don't understand all the mechanics of it either. All I know is I can play and I can get people to sing. That's, that's fine <laughs> for me. So you see? But that was stopping me because it was starting to, there was some air ciphering in this, uh, or I'd pull out one of the stops, and I'm hearing a droning sound and all that. So anyway, uh, so he, he, he was a, a good manager, that, that pastor. And so he uh, he supported he supported us, so we had some little projects and stuff like that. But then, oh my gosh, it was to see which company. Then, so we had four companies that put in bids, and that was I that was recreating the wheel for me. I said nowhere I was going, so I asked for some professional opinion, and I was hoping they'd make the decision which company to go with. Anyway, we locked out the company that that did the work. Really did an absolutely amazing job, but. Before Christmas uh, of 2010, we were still short because there was something where we were going to have to get the new motor and that was it. So it was going to be 150000 And there was no way that we were getting any money from government, we tried every way. So uh, the pastor approached the Finance, Property and Finance Committee, and he said, would you consider there was a bequest of fi- 25000 and another one of 50000 that had been given to the parish uh, a bequest so uh, they said yes put it towards that and so we collected money but we were still short so he in december put out and he he spoke about it we had his subor he said you know if you would consider children large families you know giving a donation for from each child in the family to do a memorial to your parents for a christmas gift to your parents a memorial uh, to help us to save this organ. He said that would be... So we got the 150000 Wow. in four years, yeah. Wow. And, and that's all, like, except for, again, half of it was from the bequest, you know, but still 75000 And, like, he's got a... a the pastor now has, has a thing going on with different repairs of the church. I bet you, without... Without exaggerating, with the work we've done, 75000 to paint it, the inside, now we have to paint it again, that's 20 years ago. So for our bicentennial in 1999, from then until now, if we didn't put $2 million in that church, and that's just the local people, and then when people are down on their luck, and we have a fundraiser at the Legion or wherever, and, and like, it, this just blew my mind. My brother was telling me there's this one fisherman, he passed away about five years ago. See, did you realize he went to every one of those fundraisers and he dropped $1,000 at every one of those fundraisers? It's impressive. The, the, the generosity, you see? So you have, there, there's, a, there's an element of ignorance and that's in, in no matter what society. If you have not heard about it or learned about it or been exposed to it, how can you know about it if you didn't study it, you know? But then, by someone informing you, we could have the, the the best conservationists there, and who's to know that those fishermen who are now putting their garbage in there, they're probably passing it on, I would hope, mm-hmm. <laughs> to the younger fishermen who are starting.
1: Yeah, that's exactly, and yeah? that... Takes you back to the organ, yeah. The passion the, for the organ yeah. and the pride in the restoration, or whatever language you use around that, goes back to because it links you into your ancestry. Absolutely, and it
0: will take forward. But to the community too, and you know. to the community. See, right on. And 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 Henry, when we had big celebrations, he would celebrate through that mm-hmm. organ. You see that music, mm-hmm. and 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 that's that's what just gave me that oomph. I will save that organ no matter what and then the first meeting, one of the members of the fi- property and finance committee when we were deciding about that money, he looked at me and he said, well now Antoinette, he says, uh, I think we should just scrap it and buy a new one, put a new one in and I, I said, the hair on the back of my neck just <laughs> straight up and I looked at him and I said, Leo, over my dead body, did you see my lips moving? Over my dead body. That's wonderful. <laughs> that was it. That was it. He never, because I had made up my mind that we were going to get it fixed, and that was it. Well, it's three three quarters of a million dollars to replace it. Where were we were going to get that money anyway.
1: Yeah. And yeah. you know what? Maybe it's good that he spoke his his yes. moment because it it.
0: It's, it's what some people were thinking.
1: Yeah, well, and it fired people up around. Yeah. No, we are. Yeah. We are going. One to lady
0: made a quilt and made twelve hundred dollars on selling tickets on that wow. one quilt.
1: Wow. a girl. She
0: gave. She gave the quilt. Yeah. She's a master quilt maker. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: On that restoration piece, <laughs> that links yeah. into the properties too, into the properties of the trust, yes. because oftentimes. They require restoration. You would talk to me about the issues around invasive species briefly when we had that conversation, and that's one of the pieces of work to restore a property yeah. so that continue to be diverse. Yeah. there's other examples too. That um,
0: yeah, I remember <laughs> yes talking about that that invasive species, and and then the other thing was the planting of the trees on uh, to separate the fields. I remember when that was was done too. See, <laughs> True. to me that's that's. Um, that's a, that's a, an environmental consciousness. I don't know, I forget what government it was, because my brother-in-law got all these little uh, saplings that he had to plant between his, his lines because they had been cut to make the bigger fields. You see, but our ancestors knew what they were doing when they left that row of trees between the fields, counter erosion. And, what were some of the other things of the invasive species? Yeah, I I just noticed it all over the island. There's two of them. The purple strife or whatever Purp- Yeah, you blue Purple right. stripe. Yeah. And then the other one, I think you told me, was um, I think it would be Jenkins, wild cucumber. A Wild cucumber, yeah. That's what you were saying. I have, along, like, along even just river. since coming here, because see, I'm traveling all over yeah, the island. Yeah. Especially, like, on the Blue Shank Road and, and in that area, and going to Kensington on the other road there, too. I can't believe multiplied it's it's unreal they she speed, yeah garbage so that yeah, comes in under is, the yeah.
1: stewardship uh, component once we acquire land then there's a stewardship component and I'm I don't think I told you this but we fit the Island Nature Trust fits under uh, the Canadian Land Trust Alliance so they have standards and practices oh. that can make sure that this little trust knows the best practices so in order to fit in under that alliance we're required to have um, best practices really yeah. and which I agree with and one of them is that we need to have for the fair market value of any property we have to have 10% of that amount of money so is worth $100,000 we have to have $10,000 in an escrow account to be sure that we can store it in perpetuity, because it, we might get it, not likely we would, but if it was in pristine condition today, and we had Dorian come in, then it's not likely in pristine condition That's to post right. that. So we yeah. have to have the money to stir, store it, and the invasive species are a big piece of that work these yeah. days. Yeah, the
0: purple stripe, loose stripe, I had it on my property, and I didn't know, and I was digging up in, in back my because it was coming on my lawn, it was spreading on my mm-hmm. lawn, and mm-hmm. but see, I, I really, and and I didn't readily have, who should I contact for this? And I asked some of the forestry guys, no, no, we don't deal with that and, you know, like, and I was upset because it was invading the back part of my property and my, my, the rhubarb patch, I just had it looking just great and it was producing great and then here all of a sudden, it's overrun by this stuff, you know, and so the information and, and I could see where, you know, you, you, you get the information out, the people will come and help.
2: Well, you provide a guide, a yeah. guidance to yeah. to manage that yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: We did a membership survey in the spring of 2019. Uh, we now have a membership of about 400, which, is, oh which is good, but we'd like it to be much larger than that, of course, right? right? Uh, but they informed us that two things. One, the... the Predominant one was around education, which yeah. is what we're talking yeah. about here. And so and
0: communication. Your communicating Yeah,
1: yeah, your message is yes. shared by the membership. I think. Yeah, of education.
2: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let, let's move on to something more relevant to mm-hmm. the contemporary mm-hmm. dynamics of, say, the, the, the pandemic and the, yes. the, the impact that's had on 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 people in PEI and and further afield, I guess. But. Um, during the pandemics, society has recognized that there's a healing quality uh, of, uh, of nature to both mind and spirit, being, you know, connecting to it in some, mm-hmm. in some remit. And um, how do you spend your time in nature and what effect does it have on yourself? Well,
0: my favorite is walking the beach. That, that is my spot, always has been, that's my meditation spot. That's where I'm closest to my creator. So in my, in my spiritual realm, and um, if I can walk on the beach, no matter what, how how out of sorts I may be, I can always get my peace, my center. I can always find it walking on the beach. And I did have an opportunity last summer to go. I just with my sister mostly. I don't like to go alone. Um, people get upset when they see me alone, <laughs> you know, uh, out alone and about. So I go with my sister, or with another friend, and and that to me, that to me is probably the that's way up there. I love walking in nature and that, but the beach is my number one. It's my number one. And if I sit on the beach I just feel so connected with my earth that it's, it's not even funny. It
2: Interesting. And mm-hmm. I, I just have one more question because sure. I'm, I'm aware that time is uh, <laughs> moving yeah. on. Um, and and it's, this isn't, like, I haven't got this written down, it's, it's more of. A, Consolidating what I've learned from, from you, and, and there's obviously strong leadership qualities and sort of the, the role you play in community. So um, what, what advice would you give to any aspiring young leaders out there who can generate this community awareness towards, and it doesn't necessarily have to be related to con- conservation, but mm-hmm. that's something that's very much what we want to be able to, uh, to amplify.
0: Well, again, and and there's, I think it's because of my link being a teacher, and I still connect with my former students and that, and it's to find what makes you happy. What is that one thing you've got to find? What is that thing that can wind you up and get, and, and, and make you feel happy? And the other word is fulfilled. So, okay, you're that. What is it that you want to do, that you feel comfortable doing, but also that you know it's going to fulfill you? Now, the cabinet the other day, Mm -hmm. I had my little words that were prepared for me, and I added, my wish is that you, in your new portfolio, will find fulfillment, Mm -hmm. that this portfolio will fulfill you. You see, so there's all that in it, and and again, gratitude. Uh, I guess I, I'm stuck on the word gratitude. Melody Beattie, she's got a book there, and I, I read <laughs> it. I, it's about thirty years. I'm, I'm just working on that same those same two pages in that book. Gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. It turns what you have into enough and more. Gratitude makes things right. And if you can change your mind from negative thoughts to positive thoughts, like you can be grateful for something, you've just transformed your whole thinking pattern. If you can be grateful, today I'm feeling miserable because I don't know what this this pandemic is doing to me, like last year, and that's why the gratitude came in. And I said, okay, if I can switch my, my mindset to gratitude, being grateful for something, Then, I've just changed my negative into positive. So, gratitude turns negative energy into positive energy.